Honestly Cat is back with series three and I'm so excited. I'm your host Cat Raincock and I have been overwhelmed with support for this podcast and my mission to educate and empower women is coming to fruition. There's lots in store for you over the coming weeks and I'm so glad to have you on board. As my book, Born to Shine, The Modern Woman's Guide to a Happier Life, spreads its wings and touches more hearts, it has led to deeper and greater connection to other women, particularly in the field that I work as a women's mentor. These wonderful women will be alongside me sharing their wisdom and chewing the cud on all things that will help you rise and shine and live a happier life. So hold tight, here we go. It's been over seven years since I birthed my first child. After 12 hours of labour and then an emergency caesarean birth, I was delighted to bring a healthy baby boy into the world. My husband and I cocooned ourselves in hospital for three days and it was a blissful and magical time. Despite this though, having my first child was like being hit by a runaway train. The morning after the birth, I remember looking out of the window, holding my new baby in my arms while tears rolled down my face. I felt incredible overwhelm at the magnitude of what job lay ahead, the responsibility of guiding a human being through life when, truth be told, I was struggling to guide myself through life. There is no question a baby changes your life, but for me and many other women out there, when we birth a child, we don't just birth a human, but years of suppressed emotions that we've clearly kept under our hat. They say that birth, death, divorce, or even moving house can be the trigger to an emotional meltdown. The moment that you can no longer keep that lid on the early constructs that you've built up, and that certainly was the case for me. Birth itself can be traumatic and frightening, being in hospital with doctors and nurses frantically rushing around. And statistics say 30,000 women in the UK experience a level of trauma during birth, and one in three are likely to then suffer from postnatal post-traumatic stress disorder, and this statistic simply cannot be ignored. This week I'm joined by Sakina Ballard, who I met some months ago, and immediately was drawn to her gentle and compassionate demeanour. She helps women prepare for birth with hypnobirthing, but she also supports women emotionally, before and after the monumental event. I wish I had access to someone like Sakina, Because in retrospect, I could say it was postnatal depression, but really birth just laid bare the emotions on top of a traumatic birthing experience which was never addressed after birth. It's a key subject because I know from many women I work with that there are hundreds of women that still haven't accessed this emotion or even talked about their traumatic birth, miscarriage or experience of motherhood and instead numbed it out with wine o'clock gossip and projected it onto the state of their marriage and all their children as for the reasons that there's turbulence in their life after having a child. Not only must we connect with our birthing experience and children, but we must reconnect with ourselves and our experience. And Sakina is here to share her story. Welcome to Honestly Cat Sakina. Thank you for having me. Tell me about your story and how you got into this work. Yeah, so I, birth was not my sort of area of work before becoming a mother. And I had my first baby now um, over eight years ago, just over eight years ago. And I went into birth 
I think as many people do, sort of preparing for all the kind of physical um, aspects of birth, preparing for, you know, going to classes, preparing for what, what pain relief I might use, thinking about what the baby might need. And that was my preparation. And I went in thinking that actually all the work I was doing with myself would be quite a, you know, I wanted to have quite a holistic experience of birth where possible. But it really went outside of my my control in many ways and also outside of my understanding and I had a really difficult experience which interestingly on paper is called uh, an NVD a normal vaginal delivery which I always find really fascinating but I that was a pivotal moment for me because I didn't know it then but something fundamentally had shifted in me I had had a longer birth experience had what's called long latent phase of of labour birth and I was exhausted. So I entered new motherhood feeling physically and emotionally just absolutely worn out. And the thing that you probably know and, and others who've you know gone through that is that then you have that responsibility, that sense of you've got to take care of another person. So I didn't really get any time to process what was going on for me. Um, so that was my first birth experience. And I my mental health declined, though I wasn't really aware of it because everyone else was sort of saying, yeah, this is hard. So when I would mention it, finally, that I'm struggling, I'm finding this quite a difficult experience. Everyone around me in my peer group was also saying, yes, it is hard. We're struggling with a lack of sleep. We're struggling with the feeding or whatever else. So I put down my sort of feelings to the normal changes, the normal challenges, if you like, of, of this time. So when I was pregnant again, within sort of two years, I was absolutely panicking. And that's when I really realized that something had happened to me in that in birth, because though I'd known I'd had a really difficult experience of birth, again, it's sort of normalized. It's, you know, lots of people find birth difficult, birth is challenging, birth is traumatic. I really started to panic. And actually, that's when I first sort of decided that actually I'll try hypnobirthing, which is how I came into hypnobirthing. Um, And I had this very different experience. And on reflection, what that was about was about feeling more informed. And it was about having tools and techniques. It was about understanding my emotional journey through birth, all of which I didn't have in my first experience. So then I had these two really comparable, I suppose, experiences that I couldn't really understand what was causing this big difference. Um, and, And one of the things that struck me and the thing that really started to change my life was this was my life now. I had become quite ill um, and then I was diagnosed eventually with PTSD. I was misdiagnosed for quite a while with um, postnatal depression. And my life had fundamentally changed through this period, you know, quite an intense sort of two and a half years of actually being in early motherhood and having two young children. Um, I had been an actress. That was no longer a career I felt I could go back to practically or emotionally. And so this space that was taking up a lot of my mental energy trying to figure this out became, I suppose, my passion, my interest. And so after that, that was how this part of my journey started. And I really became interested in what what was creating trauma. How could we prevent it? And how could we support people feeling safe and not just physically in birth, which is what the big focus had been when I was preparing, but also emotionally, because that's where I noticed the biggest impact and change to my life was emotionally. What is the impact for those women listening who have had children who might 
start to think, oh, maybe maybe there this did happen to me. Maybe I did have repercussions after my birth. What do you see the impact of birthing experiences on women and, and their families? I think for me, the, the the first thing I noticed was how hard it was to connect. And this was particularly for me, this was in my first experience, connect with my baby. Um, I was in such a sort of physically and emotionally, I suppose, exposed, exhausted state that connecting, I was looking after my baby, but I wasn't connecting with my baby because actually I wasn't, I was totally disconnected from myself. You know, I wasn't even able to take care of myself and I had probably great need at that point. And I think that's probably one of the things that many women notice is their relationship first with their baby, how they feel as mothers. You know, we often, I think I hear this a lot as well, women say, I'm playing the role of the mother, but I'm not feeling it. And I think that does take time as well. It takes time, especially in our first sort of encounter with motherhood to get into what this thing is, what what is it we're doing here? But there is also a sense of feeling connected to the experience, connected to this other person. And that's, I think, one of the biggest impacts. I think the other thing that I noticed and I hear a lot when I'm I'm talking to women and privileged enough to hear their stories is that impact on their sense of self. And we all know that, you know, motherhood brings it with with it a sort of whole new identity and there's this whole new role, but it's also that sense of confidence and esteem and that sense of being part of the journey, being at the centre of your journey. And that's something I know I totally lost. I lost all sense of self. I didn't really know who I was anymore. And I wasn't being given that that fed back to me from my outside world. And that's something I hear a lot from women is that they've sort of really lost emotionally in who they now are, especially if they've had a difficult, difficult experience and, and not getting that sort of emotional connection and feedback and nourishment from their role as a mother as well. And I suppose one of the key things that you've talked about there is this this inability to connect, especially if you've if you've had to put your baby's needs first and you've not given your yourself the space to reconnect with yourself and what's just taken place and how how the experience have been, it's the shame that then comes with that inability to connect. But actually, if we understood a bit more what was going on or what had gone on perhaps there would be less you know more self-compassion rather than judging and shaming ourselves for not being able to connect with our child absolutely I mean this you know that lack of connection isn't any that's a normal response to you know these extraordinary unusual unknown circumstances that exist when we go into one you know a birth experience but then also thrown into motherhood parenthood um And absolutely that sense of shame, the guilt. And I think also because we're set up to believe that it's just all so natural, it all just comes so easily. No one really explores the details, the intricacies, the parts of it that make it feel supported and nourished and connected. You know, if we've had a really difficult physical or emotional journey through birth, my goodness, you know, you just need to really go and, and lay in a bed for a bit, don't you? And, and and just absorb it all and process it all. And you need a network around you to help you do that, to help you place all those pieces together. And many of us don't have that, particularly now, you know, we live many of us away from our families. If it's first time into parenthood, we don't always have, you know, other other friends who understand, who can relate. You know, partners are busy after two work, 
two weeks, they often go back to work. Um, and so there is this really big, there is this really big sort of void. And of course, if you don't know what's going on, you think the problem is you when of course, there's it's a, such a multifaceted thing. But also, I think we feel it, don't we? We feel that isolation, that loneliness when we are with somebody and we don't know them, we don't know how to connect with them, because actually we are totally in a space of really needing somebody to give us some nourishment, some care, and help us put our pieces back together at that stage. Yeah, and I think um, the power of a tribe is is just unbelievable and we just don't live like that anymore you know you know hundreds and thousands of years ago women would live surrounded by their friends their aunties their mothers their grandmothers and so there was the support system but with the way that modern society is now set up there just isn't and and like you say that loneliness is is really tangible and even if you haven't experienced loneliness in early life so you're not being triggered back to something like that it is still a really um daunting place to to be and to sit with a child who is looking solely at you to, to meet every one of their needs and you're 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 trying to do it on your own which was never how we we were you know, that isn't how we, we were made, you know, in early years, we were surrounded by women um, and support systems. And I think that's a really, you know, crucial thing to to remind other people of. And whether it's their friends having babies or their sisters, like we need to, to, to be there for each other. Absolutely. And we need, to, you know, we need that physical support for one, because birth However, we birth is a massive physical endeavor still, you know, and in lots of cultures, they still kind of adhere to the six weeks or the 40 days of rest for new mothers. And I know here we sort of have this idea that you shouldn't do anything until your six week check. But how many of us really feel nourished in those six weeks? You know, how many of us have meals brought to our door or someone coming around and just going, how are you feeling today? You know, can I make you a cup of tea? I mean, many of us are on our own we might have somebody coming in every now and again perhaps you know a, a parent or a friend or a relative but generally in, in that massive void that when you're in a new space in your life those six weeks those 40 days those early months feel so long as you're adapting and you're trying to get to know this other person and they're so busy as well as you, you know you're suddenly you've gone from being able to look after yourself one day to the next day or you know a few days after that depending on your birth you're suddenly looking after somebody else and there is no sort of you know birth is the only transition into that so how you've come through that matters um but also there is no sort of preparation in our life for that many of us as well haven't been part of that village before i know for me i i didn't have lots of young children in my family before. I wasn't exposed to sort of looking after children often. I didn't have, you know, I did have a niece and that was that was amazing. But many of us don't have that sense of being part of that village beforehand either. So we don't have any picture by which to understand what we're going to step into is, um, what this is going to look like, what new mothers need. So we don't really know what to ask for. And And as you say, a lot of our society is about really looking at how independent we are rather than allowing us to to be vulnerable to be dependent on others and I think that has a massive impact on emotional well-being has a massive impact on you know certainly the physical health but the mental health 
of those of, of new mothers of those going into the space because we need connection with others especially when we are in a very open vulnerable space in our lives and this isn't of course just about the the, the time after the birth it's it's that and beyond you know as a mother as a whole you know whether you've got kids that are five ten or even 15 years old it, it, it is it's still that support system so even if you're listening to this and you do have older children this still applies you know f- much further down the line absolutely yes this is this is this goes on and on I think and I think it's really interesting you mentioned that because my children are a little bit older now they're in that sort of school age stage um, one of the things I notice is that we go into a bit of a void stage at this stage in motherhood as well because no one's you know really talking about these changes or or what it means to be a mother with with two sort of I suppose mid mid stage children they're not adolescents which there's a lot talked about you know raising adolescents there's a, there is more talked about you know new motherhood now which is wonderful but there is also this sort of mid stage and then beyond when your children leave so it really is about having that village that support that connection with people all through the journey and and these conversations are important because we're getting that awareness out there but how can this how can this change because a lot of people do sign up to the antenatal classes um before they have birth if i'm perfectly honest other than making a friend um who then you could go oh is this normal or what's your baby doing and have you you know and getting good tips off them and things like that other than that i really didn't get anything from it and I think, in my opinion, that this needs to be changed because they do not give you any any emotional understanding, support um, that that really is actually required. It, they almost need to lift the lid and go, okay, look, let's let's really talk about having children and, and birth. Like, let's, and it's not about um, it's not about creating images of gory births and things like that because many people have wonderful births and one doesn't I know as a hypnotherapist you don't want to place the image or use the words that 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 you start creating that in your mind and then you create the birth because based on the fear that you've then had but it but but there is something that needs to be said about the emotional support that is required after after a birth and beyond yeah and I I couldn't agree with you more I think that's that's such a missing space and it's something that you know certainly in the classes that I've I've started that we're trying to look at that much more rather than having these very separate sections of your you know having peer groups that are just in the space with you because that's also hard because nobody knows you know if you're all first-time parents having children around the same time as each other none of you knows that the sort of perhaps the wider picture of what's going to happen next and we need that sort of village I think you know a village of different experiences, different voices, different abilities to be able to come in and support. And it's something that we've been really trying to do with the courses that we run and also a project that I'm starting now with a lovely lady called Alice Matthews, which is really about looking at what what is required of us as parents. And that's really looking at our own emotional needs. You know, as you were saying earlier, the stuff that we carry before we even go into this space, because that is going to come up for us. That's we're going to get the sort of reflective mirror held up to who we are when we go into that space. And we want to be able to maybe explore some of that beforehand, before the busyness and the, and as you say, that the needs of another person needing to 
come before our own. So we have a space beforehand to explore that. But also that network, what are our relationships like? Who are our support networks? You know, even how we feel when we're parented and, and what maybe are we, what are we bringing into this space that feels unresolved for us? What do we want to do differently? What do we want to do the same as our parents? And maybe even starting to explore our, our own being parented journey as well. How important or how um, how significant, I know what my answer to this is, but how, I, I might want to know your point of view from the women that you work with. How significant is the mother or mother-to-be's um, own childhood experience reflect on their parenting I don't want to say ability but parenting experience I think there's quite a lot of research around this now as well and I mean we know that we will tend to replicate what we've seen what we've experienced because they're the patterns that we have that's what our mind knows and so when we're put into a position where we're asked to be in a new space we're going to look for what are the familiar reference points and sometimes we have the ability to kind of detach from that a little bit and start to bring some awareness and think, is this what I want to do? But when we're in the heat of it, when we're in that sort of emotional, physical mix of it all, going through the motions of it all, it can be harder to take that stance sometimes. And so we tend to, what we see, what we hear is that people tend to replicate what they've already experienced. And and that can be very painful again, because actually then we're watching ourselves do something that wasn't nourishing for us and we're recreating it in our present again and that can bring in I think another load of of emotions of shame of guilt and that's where we need that network that support either professional or sort of familiar to us in our everyday life to really nourish us to guide us through that um, and to help us I think have that emotional connection to where we are now as well I mean with so much awareness of mental health these days um something that I talk about in my book is that therapy isn't just for the crazy ones or people that drink too much or take drugs or whatever it is actually having a coach mentor therapist whatever you want to call it to help you and support you through life and and perhaps this is something that needs um more attention that actually you know, when you do embark on motherhood, perhaps it's also creating a relationship with a support system with a coach or therapist or mentor. Um, because it, it, you know, like you say, we parent like we were parented. And there's lots of times where we put on the rose tinting glasses, and we don't want to look back and admit that our needs weren't met. Um, and and actually, we like you say, we unconsciously cre- recreate those patterns. And I even know myself where I've done, you know, years of emotional discovery work. I know what experiences in my childhood I didn't like. And still there's times when I'll notice one of those behaviors I I am then carrying out, like whether it's, you know, I'm lacking a bit of compassion or my empathy is not there and I think whoa and I I now have the awareness I like go oh that's 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 like in the past that's that's like a parent or a caregiver was like with me and that's not me um but I luckily have the awareness to change that but so many people don't and I think this is something that needs to happen yes 
Absolutely. I think that's a really important key thing, actually, because as you were saying, that, that ability to have that slight detachment, that slight awareness is, is, is something that we can build muscle to. You know, we can build that muscle. It's not something that it's, it's just we're born with it. We can practice that. And that's and as you say, I, I have found through my journey that therapy coaching has been a massive um, support for me. Because it's given me a, a safe, non-judgmental, totally separate from my life space to just go, these are the feelings I have. This is what's coming up for me. And it also means that those around me who may be busy or, you know, my partner, my family members who might also be in the thick of their own stuff, those own dynamics, their own things they're working through, aren't asked to carry anything else for me at that time but that's not always possible I know that you know therapy isn't always accessible or possible and it can be difficult if you've got um you know a child who's with you or a young child because they tend to need to be one-to-one -one. it can also sometimes be expensive um but it is about finding that safe space whatever that might be and for some people that might be journaling it might be writing things down I found that really helpful at times as well um, also, sometimes just recording, you know, on, on, on a phone, you get these sort of voice recorders, don't you? And just recording all the stuff that's coming out for me so that when I'm then in a different space, I can listen back to it and hear myself, which I found very useful too. But all of those things can really help to start to build those muscles of awareness of what's actually going on for us. When have we felt like this before? Does it remind us of anything? And it is something we can catch ourselves more and more before we go into those habits I know from um, the women that I work with that many come in and when we regress to what's underneath it it's feelings of of not being enough for whatever for whatever that took place in their childhood they have ended up with the limiting belief that I you know I'm not enough as I am and I think when you you know if you go into motherhood and you feel already not enough you might not consciously know that that's something that you're walking around feeling or believing um but when i wrote my first book you know statistics were almost 80% of women in the uk are struggling with with low self esteem and and that is the way in which they see themselves so i think if one is going into their child's birth and a lifetime of then being a mother with those unconscious feelings and then the birth doesn't go the way that they are planned I know that many women get this sense of you know feeling a failure and that exacerbates that unconscious belief that they're not enough because they feel like their body has failed them and I know that this was something that you personally experienced in your birth story wasn't it yeah, absolutely. There was really for me in my first birth that sense that I had failed at this. I'd failed and my body had failed me. And, you know, many of us have issues with our bodies growing up through adolescence. You know, I think our society, our media, the way we see ourselves as women is quite, I think, warped because we've been given these really unrealistic standards by which to judge ourselves. And this notion of not being good enough is so interesting and, and I know what you're saying is so true because I've experienced it and I see it all the time um it 
it's there and it's fed to us, not just through, you know, our home lives, perhaps growing up in subtle ways or sometimes in more prevalent ways, but also for us as women in the world in which we we inhabit, you know, we even as we grow older, we're not generally paid as much. We're not listened to as much. You know, our needs, our cycles, the way we work isn't held up in society as being of importance. You know, if, you, if you're on your cycle, take a pill. Don't worry about it. You know, just carry on. So we're not asked to really listen and honor and tune into ourselves. And, and that's often even from a young age. So this sense of connection to our body is important. And many of us do have these quite unrealistic expectations. I mean, many of us, I think, diet or try and make our body look like something because we believe it's not meeting a standard that we've seen in magazines or on media or, you know, this ideal standard. And I say that in inverted commas. And and this notion of not being good enough. I mean, I I remember a teacher, when you said that, this came to my mind. I had a teacher very early on, a, a sort of coaching teacher, who said, we all have our brand of not good enough. And it's our job to maybe work out what our unique brand is. What is it that triggers our I'm not good enough? And I think that's really useful to know before you go into birth, because it's often linked to our emotional needs. It's often linked to something we've experienced a lot. So it might be that we didn't feel seen. We didn't feel heard. We didn't feel our voice mattered. We've perhaps had a much... um, more sort of uh, deeper trauma on our bodies or minds or a series of traumas and what that's meant to us, what that says about us or what we think it says about us. And they're massive things to to be able to put our finger on. And that's not an easy thing either. It takes a lot of time and work and I think it's an ongoing process. But it actually comes back to perhaps what you were saying before, which is the awareness. You know, it's gaining the muscles of awareness of who am I? What do I need? What are my triggers? And if we can go into birth with some awareness of those and have some awareness of what we're going to come out of birth with in terms of how we were parented, what might come up for us from our own childhoods that we are going to now see reflected back to us in our, you know, from our own children. I think what that gives us is just that that ability to ask for what we need, at least know what we need. So we're not walking around lost and confused. And I know that's a big thing that happens to a lot of people I see. And I know I experienced this when I when I was ill and I had PTSD, was I had no idea what was going on for me. And that's a very scary, lonely, and quite a self-judging, critical place to be. And all of those feelings only ever exasperate and make worse what's going on. And and that's that's a much kind of bigger bigger state as well because I think trauma PTSD is something we don't really talk about you know if we say the word trauma to someone it's still I think relatively unacceptable you know people are scared of it and and I actually think people catastrophize and they only think about trauma in the extreme sense and I know from my personal experience that I had the symptoms of so up until you know four or five years ago I would have the symptoms of trauma in my body the shaking the feelings the when I'm triggered the the following a traumatic experience but I didn't have any what we generically call a traumatic childhood there wasn't big trauma however that doesn't mean to say that the that the, you know, having parents that worked a lot and weren't there very much, and maybe when they were there, they weren't always emotionally present. Um, if 
if they you know they're either physically not present or emotionally you know minds on other things and so I had a lot of loneliness in my childhood and created my own stories and those alone created traumatic feelings um the relationship although I had good relationships with my parents when you really dig under the surface you know there was a level of dysfunction that has created traumatic effects as an adult and I think that we've got to change the way we see trauma because trauma is the way it's showing up in my body and that I feel it shaking when I'm triggered and I my breath changes and you know it is it is physiological effects in my body um and yeah I think you're right this this needs to and I refer to them as like you know childhood wounds or you know or trauma but but not in the not in the catastrophe sense yes. and also trauma is is one it's sort of relative to each of us as well you know there isn't, how we experience something is totally subjective and I think that's that's what that's what we need to sort of really hold is that if we find or experience something as being extremely challenging or as traumatic that's our experience of it and that's where it sits and it doesn't actually matter what it looks like on the inside because it's how our minds are processing and experiencing the stimulus we're getting. And as you said, you know, it, it's not necessarily always one event. Sometimes it's the accumulation of lots of little events and they can be on a, on a scale or a spectrum. You know, sometimes we might find that our childhoods have had lots of, lots of sort of big impactful physical or emotional events but also sometimes they might have had lots of sort of drips of emotional or physical events. And there could be one pivotal point that maybe nobody else has seen, but we have absolutely experienced as fundamentally changing something in us. And I think that's why we need to be able to have these conversations about how people find their experiences. And a trauma is, as you say, something we can experience in the body. It's also something that can be held in the mind. And that's what happens when we've got PTSD. So not all trauma means that somebody's got symptoms of PTSD, where this is physically not processing itself. And we also know there are situations where, you know, environments that help us process traumatic events. I think, as you said, you know, all of us, I don't think any of us come out of childhood totally unscathed. You know, we are humans being raised by humans we all have our things we all have our moments of connection our moments of disconnection we have our habits our patterns and I think in accepting that and holding that that we probably all have something that we're is a wound as you say I think that's a really lovely description of it it's important to address because that's when we can start to build that awareness um but also to know that if we are finding things continually difficult, that it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to reach out, and also to know maybe where those lines are. So we might find, say, a birth traumatic, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will lead to PTSD. So PTSD is the unprocessed trauma that's staying in the brain and it's like the brain still being in that alarm system it's not that alarm system isn't being switched off the safety hasn't come back to go okay we had you know the the blazing red light and the and the sounds going off but it's okay we realize that there isn't a fire here now we, we can turn the alarm off well in PTSD that alarm doesn't come off it's still there that safety hasn't been resumed the safety of the mind the safety of the environment hasn't hasn't been found again so we know that 
there are things we can do to support people who've maybe had a traumatic event, hearing them, being with them, listening to them, validating their experience, giving them a safe space to process that experience before it turns into something that becomes unprocessed, becomes ingrained in their minds, and they are looking constantly at other unsafe areas because that's what PTSD does. That's what sort of trauma does to us. And I think knowing that can just help us, that it's not our fault. And that was a big aspect of, I think, any any acceptance of where we are is that this is absolutely not anybody's fault. Sometimes it's totally a, you know, it's a, it's a systemic thing. It's some uncontrolled events that no one could have predicted. Um, but in terms of making sort of peace with an event, in, in, in this context, the, the birth trauma or traumatic birth, it's knowing that it's not your fault. You know, a big part of my own healing was accepting that my my body hadn't failed, that this was a multifaceted um thing that happens in birth it wasn't just me and my body there was the baby there was an environment there was a system there was all the things that came before and really understanding that we are not a hundred percent responsible we are part of everything that goes on around us and forgiving ourselves for that and that's um, I don't say that lightly because that's a really big journey and I know that but also reaching out for help because we don't have to do that alone. A big, you know, one of the biggest things that helped me was when I realized that I didn't have postnatal depression because that's what I kept being told. And I was, as I was being given counseling for postnatal depression and I just knew I didn't feel depressed. I knew the symptoms I was having. I was having sort of flashbacks and nightmares and, and then I was getting this constant anxiety because my alarm system just wasn't being turned off. You know, I was just constantly worried and I was having very intrusive thoughts. My mood swings were, you know, I was having these random mood swings. And then every now and again, the sense of rage and these overwhelming emotions. And then when I was pregnant again, this massive fear of giving birth that I actually thought I couldn't give birth. There was no way I was going to be able to do this because, it, you know, I thought this could be bad. Of course, they were part of an unprocessed experience for me. Um, but when I was being told that I had postnatal depression, that was actually a very challenging time because I wasn't being treated for for what I had and so I, I wasn't really seeing the improvement so then I thought there really is something wrong with me so it's why it's really important that we can understand what trauma you know and, and PTSD can look like because then we know that it is it is treatable it can be supported and it's just about recognizing that something's happened and it's left us in this very exposed vulnerable place and it's an it's an experience it's not just what's happened to us it's how we've experienced it. it's what it's meant to us it's it's how how we have felt in that experience and often that's a feeling of being trapped being unheard feeling like there is a life life-threatening situation which can you know in birth all sorts of things are told to us said to us and it doesn't mean that somebody's life was in danger ours or our babies but actually that there was a sense of it and we have to take, I think, look at the bigger picture that actually that's a system thing often. It's not often about what's actually happening there. It's how people are treated. People are not treated perhaps with the care and the, the respect and the dignity and being heard in the way they need to, to feel nourished and supported. Um, 
and I know there is a lot happening now to really try and change that and to really uplift that and to put women at the centre of their experience because we know that when women are at the centre of their experience and cared for their outcomes are much better and their experiences are much much better so it's not something that is is a natural process you know this is something that we can make better it doesn't have to be like that and I think on a final point any mothers that are listening to this or anyone thinking of having children that that it's never too late to firstly go back and look at your childhood experiences and understand what beliefs and feelings that are unresolved need to be looked at and I think in terms of you know mothers who have gone through uh potentially traumatic or you know uncomfortable experience during birth it's never too late to to go back and just 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 um just heal that that wound that needs licking you know much like dogs lick a wound it even if you don't think that there's been an effect on you there will be some kind of residual um, emotion attached to that that we've had to you know bury and, and carry on regardless and I think I think I want to say to anyone that's that's listening that that it's okay if if you if if this if this resonates with you you know it's okay to to seek somebody out whether it's a close friend or someone just you know shed a tear on 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 what took place that day or what took place in the past or what took place in your childhood that that any time is a good time absolutely and I think that's really really key there's you know it's never too late um it's it's something we can work on at any stage and and there is there is so much more support out there now as well which is wonderful and and I'm just going to name a couple if that's all right Kat because I think it's really handy to know um, if you are, you know, if any of this is resonating, you're thinking maybe I am feeling like that about my birth, then Make Birth Better, a brilliant, informative network. And they've got lots of information that can really give you guidance on some of the, perhaps the symptoms or how to approach conversations. And there's also the Maternal Mental Health Alliance, which are a brilliant sort of umbrella um, that have lots of other organisations that you know, they, they work with. So they're really good to approach to, to just be signposted and perhaps start some of those conversations if you're looking for something more kind of professional or also just looking for guidance on perhaps how you're feeling because there is a wealth of information out there now. Um, and just to really echo that there is there is such a journey through this as well. And I really wanted to mention that because whilst that first experience eight years ago was challenging and it changed the course of my life there has been such growth through this as well and we talk a lot more about post-traumatic growth now but where we started doesn't need to be where we end up and just building our awareness having those conversations reaching out for help you know we really can create it's not easy, but we can get the support and we can find the resources in ourselves to create something out of something that didn't feel good at the time. And there can be so much that we find in ourselves, the resilience, the strength, these amazing resources we carry in ourselves that we've actually got through that situation already. And we've carried on and we've raised our children if you've gone through a difficult birth or if you're going through that sort of parenting journey that you've had the ability to look back and go actually this isn't how I want to continue parenting that's a massive achievement and 
that can just be built on and nourished and that sense of who you want to be can be nourished so that you grow more into that and I think that's a big part of what's happened in my journey and I really feel it's important to share that because that's the other thing with trauma sometimes it can just look like it's a bad thing but actually what it sometimes does is give us the ability to find things that we didn't know were there too and they can be the positive outcomes of something that's challenging beautiful words and here is to pre and post um, maternal nourishment thank you so much Sakina for the work that you do with women before and after birth it's valuable to to support and help women in this crucial time the awareness of the impact on our birthing experience is vital and I hope this goes some way or even a long way in giving women some food for thought on their births and their emotional well-being thank you for sharing your story it's been a joy to talk to you Sakina Oh, it's been such a joy. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for, for listening and also for all you've done and all you've shared. It's, it's been wonderful to be a part of it. Ah, oh, thank you. Don't forget to share my podcast, Honestly Cat, with your friends and family so that we together can reach more women and help them to rise and shine and live a happier life. Your comments, support and reviews are all so welcome. And don't forget to pick up your copy of Born to Shine, the modern woman's guide to a happier life from all major bookstores. See you on the next episode of Honestly Cat. I'm your host, Cat Raincock, and it's been an absolute pleasure. This is the podcast to sit back, to listen to and to grow.